I've been here many times before and I've never been defeated and still I will never be defeated. It's Jay and this is Chuck. Welcome to To A Front. I am Jay and I am with Chuck. Chuck, what's on the show today? Um, first and foremost, as you heard in the clip, we need to send a shout out and a tribute to Kobe Bryant, the legend himself. Um, and then after that, you know, let's just address that properly. We'll address other sporting matters. So, Jay, what's your greatest memory of Kobe or what is it that you want to share about Kobe? So, late last night, um, on social media and news trickles in that Kobe Bryant has passed away and I see R.I.P. Kobe Bryant I'm thinking it's a hoax you know because mm. the internet um, tends to behave that way but then more credible news sources um, report on it and it it hits me that wow Kobe Bryant tragically and his daughter Gianna have passed away mm due to a helicopter crash and the whole sporting world um, from Los Angeles, America, uh, the world. I mean, you, you see it even from like football players. Uh, everyone respected Kobe. Um, you might not have quite liked Kobe. You might not have been your favorite player, but you had respect for Kobe and what he came to term as the Mamba mentality. And the mama mentality basically as he says in, in in the clip that it's it's intense focus and just a a drive and a passion and being sold out to doing everything that you need to do to ensure that you're going to be successful at your chosen um trade so just top of my head um that's what i think about um the commitment to excellence and uh, speak about people who inspire other people i've not quite come across a a sporting legend who i've heard other sports stars refer to as someone who inspires them i think for me personally my my memory of kobe is not necessarily a sporting moment on on the court but for me when i was actively i'd say um conscious of basketball and the teams and the players that were available at the time kobe bryant was a star for me and so naturally, with, with with basketball, you gravitate towards a, a player more than you would a team. And for me, so he was that player that I was like, okay, this guy is good, and that's who I'm rooting for. And that was my introduction to basketball. I'd known about the Michael Jordans. I'd known about uh, the Magic Johnsons and all that stuff, but there was no relation for me. I, it was people that I saw on TV, heard about, but people, the person who had, who had me like take note of basketball and actually watch was Kobe Bryant. So... I just picked him. I mean, since then I've moved on to other stars and stuff since his retirement, but Kobe was that man for me. I'd say he had me interested in basketball. Kobe Kobe as a player. And Kobe as a player is, is, is someone who is encapsulated by his mindset. I mean, to be successful as a basketball player, a couple of things need to be in your favor. You need to be tall, which he was. And... 
you you need not only be tall but be athletic and have some talent, right? And the most talented guys, I, I would say, the, the NBA, for example, has about four hundred something players. It is fair to say that every single player in the world, who every single person who plays basketball in the world and is good, plays in the NBA. So it is hard to be good in the NBA. And Kobe is someone who staked out a claim and 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 trailblazed uh his own path and the separation was his mindset uh you hear a lot kobe being described as a killer on the court and he was he was he was crazy i mean a couple of stories that come to mind is you know famous chuck and kobe right yeah chuck and kobe won three titles together and had they stayed together in those mid-2000s they probably would have won more um kobe was actually quoted as saying just last year that they probably would have won 10 i don't know about 10 but if he says that yeah he believes it and the reason that they stopped playing together with shaq was because kobe felt that shaq was lazy shaquille o'neal is even by the standards of basketball players is huge and he he was on the court someone who other teams players managers coaches did not have an answer for. If you had Shaquille O'Neal as Kobe Bryant did, you had a an, an ace up your sleeve and you were bound to win the championship, which they did three years in a row. But at some point, Kobe Bryant was irked by the fact that Shaquille O'Neal was not in the gym doing the things that he's supposed to be doing. He was not watching his weights. He was not watching what was going into his mouth. He was eating cheeseburgers before games. And this... This 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 got to a head where he went to Lakers management and pretty much said me or him, and the Lakers management went with Kobe because Kobe was younger. And the thing that then Kobe did there, which uh, ultimately in that firestorm, which is impressive, was he wanted to prove that it wasn't Shaq who was just carrying him to those championships. Uh, he wanted to carve out a legacy where you knew that it was just as much him. Mm. And which he went then on to win two other championships without Shaq. And you look back on the career and you say. Well, he bet on himself and he did the damn thing. Thing, the thing about Kobe is that he wanted to win so bad. And I, I think that's what you were talking about or referring to in terms of a mamba mentality. That when he looked around, he wanted to see people with the same drive, the same ambition as him. I mean, he spoke, um, I watched a documentary about losing a fin- the finals to the Celtics. And he said he wanted to win so badly in Celtic that, that that's the loss that hurt him the most. And what does he do the next uh, available opportunity? He wins against the Celtics. So yeah. for me... That, that that just shows that that person had drive. I mean, Kobe's mentality of him wanting to... He says, when they ask him about the game where he, where he shot 81, he's like, he, he, he was dreaming and, and thinking about scoring even 100 points, even 120, because he says his dreams and his, and his, and his goals must be pure. Um, so he says, before he goes, goes to sleep, he visualizes, and in most cases, he's on the basketball court, and he's making threes, and he's making the, the, the layups, and making all the shots, dunking. And he says, when he's dreaming, he's not missing those shots. And so he's done it so often enough that when it comes to game time, that he applies all the stuff that he's been thinking about. It was an obsession. It really was. Kobe was that guy first, first in and last out. He was he was in the gym before the sun came out, and he was famous for only taking a week uh, off during the off season, and then he was back at it just working. You know the the interesting bit about him scoring eighty one was a week before, if not two weeks before, he scored sixty in three quarters and they were blowing out the team that they were playing against um i believe it was the mavericks actually because i think if i'm not mistaken he scored 60 by himself on the mavericks at the time at 58 so he outscored a whole team by himself in three quarters and 
his coach at the time offered him the chance to go back in the fourth quarter uh, to try and get 80. And his response was the fact was that it's not necessary because the game is already won. And he said that there'll be another opportunity to uh. go for 80. Literally a week later, he drops 81 on the Toronto Raptors. And that, that, that's the mindset. Kobe Bryant came into the league with Michael Jordan as his carrots. And the thing about Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan is so far ahead, the greatest basketball player of all time, that it's crazy to think that you're going to come into the league playing the exact same position as this guy and you're going to surpass him. The reason he switched to 24 um, was one more than Jordan. Uh, that's that's part of the reason why he switched to 24. And he he really, truly believed in his heart of hearts that he was going to eclipse the career of the greatest of all time. Because in his mind, if that's not why he's playing in the league, then there's there's no reason to. And this was a mindset that he applied to all of his teammates. And the thing with Kobe Bryant as his teammate, you either loved him if you were if you were like him, yeah. or you hated him if because he had, if he had the work ethic, if he didn't have the work ethic, then he felt it felt like he was very abrasive, and he it's just someone that you're not going to coexist with. Kobe Bryant didn't play the game of basketball for fun. Yeah, it. It, it was, it mattered uh, because in his mind with the talent that he had and if this is what he's doing for 20 years of his life, then he's going to give everything to it and he's going to get out of it the most that he can get and he didn't understand guys who were just happy to be multi-millionaires and famous and just balling. I think um, to, to pass on the passion to you and, and make it a little bit lighthearted and not make it all the way somber because we are celebrating a legend. I really are. Can you, quite, can you explain the, the, the phrase, pass the ball, Kobe? Can you explain <laughs> the phrase, pass uh, the ball, Kobe? Such was the hunger of the man. Kobe Bryant says that when he was on the court, all he could see was the basket. All he could see was the basket. He says, even if there are three guys who are hanging on me all i can see is the basket and he told his teammates that hey if you need to call me out if you need to shout like kobe pass the ball then do it he doesn't have an issue with that and he was saying to them that if you're not going to do it you know what i'm going to do i'm going to shoot yeah i'm not going to pass he's going to keep shooting and because his mindset was that you know what i am the best chance that this team has to win and if the game is won by putting the ball in the basket and i'm the one who's most likely and 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 who has the tools to do that guess what i'm going to do I'm going to keep putting it in the basket. I mean, in his last game and in the last three years of Kobe Bryant's career, he was not the same player as he had been before hmm. snapping his Achilles tendon. And in his last game, where it was obvious that his career had come to an end, he put up the ball 50 times. And he got 60. He got 60. He got 60 in his last game. And he was having a conversation with Shaquille O'Neal at halftime and Shaq told him, well, go for 50. And then when he went for 60, Shaq is famous for saying that the, the mother effer went for 60 when I told him to go for 50. <laughs> and that's that's Kobe Bryant. I mean, even when he actually snapped his tendon in that game, he got up, shot two free throws and walked off the court. So, man. man I, think, I think not only were his exploits on the field memorable, but his quotes as well. I mean, he's such a well-spoken man and, and he's, so, he's so focused that I guess it's inevitable that he gets, he gets quotes. I mean... When when people when people pass away, especially sporting legends or entertainers, we look at their body of work. Yeah. Kobe has a body of work and quotes. Like if you Google Kobe Bryant, you will see ten great quotes or twenty four or a hundred or whatever. So I like to share two of mine that I found on the net um, that I think, I mean, embodies the man. I remember uh, I'm, I'm watching a YouTube clip of 
NBA greatest moments, I guess. I don't know when exactly this was. But there was a, a, a play where someone um, fainted to throw the ball at Kobe's face. And Kobe <laughs> did not flinch one bit. <laughs> and I think this particular quote here says a bit about the man. Um, this is on overcoming fear. The last time I was intimidated was when I was six years old in karate class. I was in orange belt and the instructor ordered me to fight a black belt who was a couple of years older and a lot bigger. I was scared ishless. I mean, I was terrified and he kicked my ass, but I realized he didn't kick my ass as bad as I thought he was going to, and there was nothing really to be afraid of. That was around the time I realized the intimidation didn't, didn't really exist if you're in the right frame of mind. So that was the last time Kobe was afraid of anything. That's crazy. <laughs> That's great. Because I've seen the clip that you're talking about. I want to say every single person in the world would have flinched. Like, there's a ball, what, two centimeters from your face. And he just keeps staring this guy down. And post-match, he was asked, why didn't you flinch? He's like, I knew he was going to throw the ball. So why, why duck? <laughs> I knew it. It's, it's, it, it's crazy. It's the mamba mentality. It, it, it really is. Um, I, I think I also have a, a couple of quotes. I'll read one now and one at the end. He says about the mama mentality is that the mindset isn't about seeking a result. It's more about the process of getting to that result. It's about the journey and the approach. It's a way of life. I do think that it's important in all endeavors to have that mentality. And it stands out to me when he says in all endeavors because a couple of things happened which uh, made me look at Kobe Bryant with eyes of wonder. Because as soon as he was down with basketball, literally a year later, he, he was on the stage of the academy awards collecting an oscar hmm. and the oscar that he collected was because of an animation um that was produced around the poem that he'd written to basketball and it's it's an, it's a wonderful uh poem speaking about how he loves basketball and he still has love for it but and this was in the season that he was retiring um that his mind is still there and his passion is still there but he knows that his body is not quite there and what he expresses is is brilliant and I, I suggest to anyone to go look for that for that for that poem. And the strange thing though is that after his basketball career, he actually was 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 quoted as saying that he didn't watch basketball, which I found strange. Hmm. And he he had come back to watching basketball and going to basketball games because his his daughter, um Gianno, he was traveling with to a basketball camp, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. was into basketball. And since he's Kobe Bryant and he's got the resources and he's got um, that mind around basketball, he he figured, okay, I'm going to go back into the world of basketball for my daughter, which actually showed me that Kobe Bryant did not necessarily love the sport uh, as, as in itself, just by itself, but he loved it and was obsessed with it because that was what he was doing. And as soon as he stepped away from it, his mindset was back, to the process, uh, he was not willing to rest on his laurels as a basketball great. I mean, he's got two jerseys hanging in the rafters of the Staples Center. No Number one else, eight. in no one else in the game has that. Number twenty-four. And yet, he walked away from basketball when it was time to walk away because he felt that he had given it everything that he had and mm. had no regrets. Had nothing else to squeeze out of his body or his talent. And it was on to the next thing. The, the next thing being what we saw an Oscar and every other endeavor that he was pursuing, the mama mentality was right there um, following him into those. The thing about Kobe is that I, I saw an interview, um, obviously after it happened during the education, is that he said when he injured his Achilles, it was always on his mind as to what will he do after basketball. But that that because he was in, uh, unable to play basketball and he was on the, on the sidelines, forced him to actually think about it. 
and he, and he came out there thinking um, the day I hang up my jersey, it's fine. I'll have no regrets, and I know what to do afterwards. That's, wow. that's that's the definition of focus. I mean, there are lots of players in any sporting code that when when the time when the time comes to hang up their boots or their jersey, they always go back because they haven't quite figured out how to move on from this game that I love so much. Yeah. But when you've got someone who's dedicated so much to sports and can walk away because his mind is tuned into something else, that's that's that says something about the man. I mean, he also says that people think he's arrogant, and that's not who he is. But that's the persona he puts on when he's on the court because he wants to win at all costs. And so if you can put on that mentality towards a particular goal, that's, that's inspiration. I think that's what we loved about Kobe. Yeah, um, and, and, and that mindset transcends um, the game of ball. It, 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 it literally goes into any endeavor anyone wants to partake in. The mama mentality, the idea that you're going to outwork every single person that's in the room and or you're going to die trying. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's not... You, there might be more talented people, there might be more gifted people, but there's there's not going to be any one person who has outprepared you, outworked you, that in that moment where you are face-to-face with the challenge and the thing that you need to take down, you will have that confidence that I I have done everything that has been available to me and even those things that were beyond the that level to garner that success. And I mean, I think from my side, uh, to close it off, a quote from Kobe is that heroes come and go, but legends are forever. And to Kobe Bean Bryant, uh, a man who, a man of many talents, uh, a legend in the basketball game, uh, a legend in, in life, pretty much. Mm-hmm. He, he was a hero. He continues to be a hero and he truly is a legend. And though he's gone at, at, at the very young age of 41, him and his daughter, Gianna. he's a legend that is going to live forever in not only the minds of other sports stars but us as fans as well and condolences to his wife and to his other daughters um and prayers go out to them his loved ones and fans throughout the world thanks kobe we've been inspired one last quote is that and this is what and every take... time we throw papers into the bin you know what time it is kobe <laughs> and yeah, just remember in life as a life lesson as kobe says booze don't stop dunks so keep getting it Right, man. Let's just go into football. Um, we're looking at the La Liga title race. Um, new coach. Barca have slipped up already. Barcelona finished. Real Madrid capitalized. Barcelona finished. The question is this. coach. Barcelona are finished. Like I, the Valverde was doing was doing well. He was not exceptional. He was not dominant, but he was doing well. They were top of the league, or at least they were tied when they weren't on top. And now they've got a new coach. Some some wise guy in the boardroom said, "Let's change manager." Now, 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 now. Where, where does Barca go from here? Because Messi is fit, but they're not scoring. Griezmann's available, but they're not scoring. I think I think Valencia gave them a good run for their money, and beat them actually. Leno Messi had eleven shots in that game. He did not score a goal. I say Barcelona finished. I'm not being partial as a Real Madrid fan. <laughs> but here's, here are the facts, right? They have just fired a coach who has won them two La Ligas, if I'm not mistaken, and mm. took them to the brink of a, a, a Champions League victory. If they got through that Liverpool match, I don't think Tottenham would have stopped them. But 
they've had the issues of the last couple of seasons where they've given up that 3-0 lead um, at Anfield. Prior to that, they gave up a 3-1 uh, advantage at, at, at Roma. And when you look at what is happening in Barcelona, they fired the coach middle of the season and they've hired um, a guy who you think is a stopgap. And you are looking at Barcelona, you're thinking Barcelona have gotten a interim coach. And if you're getting an interim coach and you're still in the chase for La Liga and for the Champions League, if you're going to change this coach anyway, why did you not change them at the end of the season and get in the person that you want to get? Because I don't think this coach is going to last until the end of the season. I don't think this guy's going to last until the end no of the way. season. No way. Why guy, would they change managers twice? That's why I'm saying I don't know what is that's going on in the, at the club. I mean, here's a quote from, from Setien after the game. He says, the players still aren't interpreting well what we want to do. Um, says Wuti, or maybe it's that we're not explaining it well. And he says, positionally, there are, there are things to be corrected and improved. From a team that's doing well in the Champions League, doing well in La Liga, this guy seemingly wants to in, 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 implement a different philosophy. Barcelona is lost because if he's saying there are things that they aren't interpreting well, that they're playing differently to what they were playing under Valverde, which is what they're playing differently under uh, Enrique, and whoever's coached them since then, my whole point is it was never broke. And now you've got like three different mechanics trying to fix it. I think they, they've, they've lost their way this season. I don't know what Barca are trying to do. I mean, fair, you can say with teams like Tottenham who, who are really in need of a coaching change. Arsenal are in need of a coaching change. But not Barca. That's like going to, to PSG and say, Thomas Tuchel, now nah, it's about time you pack up and midway, midway, and let's find new ideas. New ideas for what? Barcelona have been carried for the last couple of seasons by Lino Messi. And it's, I don't know, I think sometimes it's hard to realize this because Messi has been brilliant for so long. But when you look around him last season as well, I mean, yeah, he's partially to blame for what happened at Anfield. But I mean, he inspired them to that 3-0 win in the first leg. And you're looking to the man and you're asking, what more must he do? If he gives you 50 goals and 20 assists in a season, you look around him and you're you are asking, can somebody help? Can someone step up? Can coaches put in a system that is to his benefit in terms of their other teammates who are contributing to the success of the team? Because... I, I don't think, and this is what I've, 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 I've held on to for a while now, since Pep Guardiola and, and actually probably since um, Luis Enrique, there isn't a clear idea as to how to rebuild this Barcelona team, how to go about putting pieces together where it's a team. You know, when, when, when Cristiano Ronaldo left Real Madrid, um, I, was, I was sad because, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo is one of the greatest players of all time and I was looking around trying to figure out, man, where are our goals going to come from? And in this season, actually, when you look at Real Madrid, who I think are going to win the league, I don't think it's going to be easy for them because they struggle with goals. But what was going to happen when Ronaldo left is that the team was going to be forced to not look at the one person, but to look across the board and try to figure out how do we how do we build this team um, because we don't have that supernova uh, in the middle in, in the middle of the park where everything needs to go through them. And Barcelona, I had a, they had a crisis because one, Leo Messi is not going to leave, and two, I, there's, they, because Xavi and Iniesta and the, and and Busquets and and Puyol and and Valdez, and um, PK and that group of players was together for such a long time and and they were successful. There was no need to tinker. Now with this coach, for example, they they went and they played against the team from Ibiza. The party island. 
They had like 85% or close to 85% ball position and they almost lost that game. They had 74% position against Valencia and they lost the game. They are just passing it around with That's no clear idea. Passing. And I mean, with, Val, with Valverde, I can say, yeah, sure, in terms of results, there was no need to fire him. But when you watch Barcelona, they, they, weren't, they weren't playing beautiful football. It was very pragmatic. And the, is it down to Valverde and just Valverde, you think? Because it seems to me that they're in a, a very impatient club because they signed Coutinho. Coutinho wasn't cutting it. But when you look at Coutinho's stats, actually, Coutinho was contributing to Barca. When you look at Valverde, who was fired for not really doing much. Is it, is it not that there's an identity crisis overall in terms of they don't actually know what they're doing? You see with the signings that they make, you see with the managers that they appoint, like Setien, he comes out of nowhere. And people like Pochettino are available. Out of nowhere, mid-season, you want to put Setien in. He's quoted as saying, last week I was in, in, in watching over my flock and this week I'm in Barcelona. Like, where, where do they find this guy? Like, like the my, 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 my frustration is the fact that there was nothing wrong. Sure, they have, they have an issue with identity and personnel and stuff like that because, they, as we said in, in prior episodes, they want to replicate that Guardiola era, and they can't. And that's the reality they, they need to, 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 to take on and say, we can't do this again, but we can build something similar. Let's take on a new identity and build something similar. But the thing is, they're not patient enough with that. I mean, Coutinho was playing well for them. He was booed and not liked. He's at Bayern. He's putting up the numbers. He's doing quite well. I don't understand what Barca are actually looking for because they've signed Griezmann. They're not entirely happy with Griezmann now. Dembele wasn't really loved all that much. Choice injury opponents never playing. But who, who who do they celebrate besides Messi Barcelona? You don't understand what they're doing is what you're saying. I don't understand. They don't all. understand what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Literally, if you're a Barcelona fan, you should have feelings of anxiety. You should be scared for what is happening at that club because... If you support Tottenham Hotspur, for example, it's easy to pinpoint what the issue is. is that we're not signing any players or there are no funds to sign, sign good players. If you're a Manchester United fan, the funds are there. The frustration is you're not getting those players in. And in terms of then getting players in, not quite the people that you're looking for. Same thing as an Arsenal fan. When paper was brought in, it's like, well, we're still looking for central defenders. Why are we not spending that money where it's supposed to go, right? That's those are easy fixes um, in terms if there are any easy fixes because you can pinpoint it's either there's not enough money or we're not signing or when we're signing we're not signing the right people Barcelona have spent 100 million euros plus on three different players in the last couple of seasons one of those players is at Bayern Munich another one of those players is Abi Diaby 2.0 another one of those players looks lost on the pitch in, in the form of Antoine Griezmann and then they've got this obsession with Neymar Hmm. which would be fine except for the fact that you had Neymar in your ranks and you sold him. And do you know why Neymar can't come back? Because they can't afford him. And do you know why they can't afford him? Because they're the ones who trashed the transfer market. Now they're sitting there with these guys who are worth over 300 million and there's this other guy who's worth 200 million who they're trying to bring in and it does not make sense. And the reason I say as a Barcelona fan, you, you should feel... Yeah, like like there's there's a dark cloud over your club is because of the fact that they've actually went out and signed big money uh, players, but in in all those cases it's not worked out. Meaning they are trying to throw money at the problem, but it's not working. Another issue that they need to face is the fact that Madrid are deep now. Madrid actually have options on the bench. I mean, Madrid can put on a Rodrigo who is different to a Vinicius, who's different to a Bale, who's different to a Valverde. 
Whereas it seems like when Barca throw players on, you get the same result. Nothing really changes at Barca. It's like they've all had the same kind of player. And so the thing with Madrid going to the, the other contenders for the title race is that sure they don't have a lot of goals in them, but they've got resilience now under Zidane. I think they've they've got that spark again. Um, the players like uh, Marcelo, Ramos, Cruz are, are re-energized now again. That hey, here's the manager we want everything with. He's back, and so there's 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 an added oomph. I mean, Benzema is playing like he's never done in a long while. Um, I mean, and all of this without Hazard, they still have a trump card who's wait, waiting to come back, and so it's it's. I think I have to side with you in terms of the league is going one way. Uh, Los Blancos. Hazard was said that he came into the season having had too many pies in in the summer. <laughs> he finally confessed. He tried I to mean, deflect for long. We he could all confessed. see. We don't want to body shame the man, but we could all see that mm, you're carrying a little a little weight there. He wouldn't have been on Kobe's team. No, not looking like that. No. Nah. You know what? With Real Madrid, I think Real Madrid are going to win the league, but I don't think it's going to be easy. And I think it should be easy, but it won't be easy because of the fact that I don't quite always think that Zinedine Zidane has the balance in that team, right? I don't think it's a good idea to play. Really with, think so? I really don't think it's a good idea to play with like four central midfielders in your five uh, midfield positions, because Isco, Modric, Kroos, and the Brazilian Casemiro. Casemiro. They interchange positions, but they essentially they don't give you the one thing that Real Madrid need in attack, which is more goals, because they are heavily dependent on Karim Benzema scoring goals. And the thing is, if he's not scoring, it is hard to look around the team and and to try and figure out where the goals are going to come from, because all those guys, apart from Isco, they play in a deeper role. And Isco, who plays in a more advanced role, is not is not a goal-scoring midfielder. Um, they don't have a Paul Scholes, Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard type of player. And if you are not then getting goals from your striker predominantly, which is why it's easy when you've got someone who scores 50 to 60 goals a season. You're not looking for your... midfield. Yeah, you're not looking for your midfielders to convert their chances. It's a bonus. You know, if they don't, it's fine. This guy is going to carry the load. He scores as many goals as two other players. But... I, I, I think in order to guarantee that success, also then, if they're looking to be successful in the Champions League, um, Hazard needs to come back. He needs to come back fit. He needs to come back at his best. And he needs to come back with goals. And Bale is the other one who has goals from, from the other flank. But I don't... The Bale experiment is over. Uh, he's at Real Madrid, but he's not going to be at Real Madrid for Why much longer. Why do you call it an experiment? He was quite successful there and he played. It's still, it's still under scrutiny. Under... Observation, according to you, for this season, because he wanted to leave, and he's not there. So the experiment they, for this season, yeah, for this season, uh, ah. he wasn't retained necessarily because that was the coach's desire. They tried to ship uh, him off because uh, I, th- I think the man of the top. I think the way they lined up with Zidane makes them more compact. Um, yes, they could have. So they're better they defensively. Said. I'll give you that. Yeah, they're more you compact. Can't break them down. Um, they keep the ball better with with with, with that talent on the pitch. I can't I can't ignore the fact that. You say there are no goals in the team because there really are no goals in the team until you bring back a Hazard and a Bale. But I think this is a team that over time will, will learn to grind out results. They might not score four or five every other week, but this is a team that can grind out results. I mean, um, this past weekend, oh, Nacho... Madrid that's grinding out results, though. That's, that's the Madrid that's going to win the league. Nah, Nacho man. scored the winning goal. Um, a game prior, Casemiro scored, was pivotal in that game. So... It's not always going to be the Benzema's and the Hazards, the Rodrigo's or the Vinicius's that are going to, sign, they're going to shine. But I think that team, for, I mean, there's different ways to win. And I think when, 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 when 
the 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 teams are there for the taking. They're all out attack, but I think for now, this is a solid team. I watched that game against Valladolid, and at no point did I think Valladolid were going to win that game. But there were many points where I didn't think Madrid were going to win that game either. That's that's how you grind out a result. (laughs) And the thing is, uh, my great concern as a Madrid fan, uh, this will be interesting to see actually, when they play Manchester City in the Champions League, Manchester City up and down themselves, but I think knowing that the league is gone, there's going to be a greater focus on the Champions League, which is what essentially Pep Guardiola is at Man City to do to win the Champions League. And with their players fit and they're going to go for it. And it'd be interesting for me to see what happens with Real Madrid when you take a two-goal lead against them. They have to then change up the tactics where they have to go for the game. What does that approach look like? Given, they might not get to that point. And if they are that compact, that solid, that organized, then then there's nothing to worry about, you know. Mm. Um, but when I when I see struggles against a, a, a team in the lower half of La Liga like Valladolid to score a goal... I'm concerned, uh, and I suppose this is the this is the season where they can't get away with that because, as I just said, Barcelona finished. <laughs> Atletico Madrid, João Felix, also another hundred million pound, hundred million euro plus player who is just not cutting it. Uh, so, yeah, Madrid to win the league, it's not going to be pretty, but they're going to win the league. Okay, let's 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 just move on swiftly to the protest. I want to do protest before I do tennis. Ah, man, I, personally, personally, if it was up to me, I would not even say a word about protests. The way it's so demoralizing to watch the protests. It's demoralizing to watch the protests, whether they're batting, whether they're fielding. Everything is just, just not coming together. I mean, England yesterday, when they were just throwing the bat at everything, or even on Friday, they got to 260, whatever they got. We struggled to get to 200 when we are concentrating and giving our best. When, when, when we look at our bowling... We get smashed by wood and bro and broad, and and you're thinking to yourself, what more could go wrong? Like, oh, like yo, like yo, <laughs> the protests are depressing right now. For me, like, I think, I think, and I know there are people who will did who will um, dispute this. Protests, Bafana Bafana, right now, same WhatsApp group. We've been laughing at Bafana Bafana for a long time. This, I'm innings defeat three in a row against India. We're on course for another one, Namanj. Ah, same WhatsApp group. Protest fans. You belong in the same group as the Barcelona fans. I should be worried. <laughs> you should be worried. Here's the thing, though. I got to thinking about this, right? Yeah. So in this in this series, we've had um, a couple of debutants. Not a couple, a few. Five, uh, four debutants, actually. Hmm. Van der Dyssen, Pretorius, Hendricks, and Patterson, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, and Milan yeah, as well. And Hamza. And Milan Hamza had already played a test or two uh, early last year, okay. but he's also new on the scene. So if we put Hamza in that group, that's a group of six players. And he, do you know that Hamza, who is twenty-four, is the outlier amongst this group? The other five guys, the youngest of them is Hendricks, and he's only the youngest because he's not quite turned thirty because his, his birthday is in June. So the Proteas are going into this England series with new guys on the scene who are 30. And the the thing, though, that has happened, and I got to thinking about this, that from 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 the time that Sean Pollock and Jacques Cullis made their debuts for the Proteus in 1995, we entered into a golden era 
of Proteus players because you fast forward nine years after that, 2004, here comes A.B. De Villiers and, 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 and Stain into the Proteus team and they are all-time greats. So you have this team that has been settled for 20, 20 plus years, right? And you have all-time greats in those positions and there's, there's a generation therefore of players which are these guys who, who are turning 30 now of players who did not get into the test team and they were not even looked at to come into the test team because we were settled. That's that's what tends to happen when you've got a generation of great players. So there's a generation that slips away and I, what what has to happen is you need to give it another generation before you can get back to those heights. This is the same thing that happened with the West Indies um, 70s and 80s. They've never recovered from it. So that's 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 concerning. It's a similar thing that happened with Australia for a couple of years after the group of War, Warren, McGrath, um, Hayden, they all went away. And now, with with the Smiths and the Labashkachnis of the world, they seem to then have found their way again. What we have to hope for as Proteus fans is that the generation after these guys we've just seen debut um, for the Proteus is good. The forecast on that is not very good because as we've spoken about it, um, when we look at the under-19s, the results are not good. But the hope is that there is a generation there between the ages of 19 and around 27 who are going to come into in, into the setup and will will get us back to where we need to go because this series against England, brah. Like, as much as you talk about the Australian dynasties and stuff, Michael Clark didn't have as good a time as old greats in terms of his captaincy and that era, but they were always up for a fight. They'd win an Ashes series or two. They'd, they'd, they'd come and, and, and give South Africa a, a, a good, 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 good go um, playing away. Uh, sure, we had their number um, playing on Australian shores. But, I mean, right now I think we're bereft of ideas. Like, we are, we, we are, we, we are down and beaten and, and, and England are doing as they like. They really are. Whichever way and however. And so my, my whole thing is this, because I said this last episode, which is, all the players who signed Colpac deals, best cost. And I've got a couple of names I want to put up. And if not to say that they would have been playing right now for the team, as people that you would have put in a couple of years ago to help groom other players or to be a stopgap. Because the thing is, we were calling, I, I specifically was calling for Hashim Amla to retire because I, there was nothing he was offering towards the end of his career. But little did I know, Guti, as soon as he would would, would, would retire, it's no one else would be able to take up the, the mantle. Yeah, it's gone even worse. So, I mean, I can't say Hashim must come back because he was averaging no, like 20, 21 runs in like eight innings or whatever, which was... No, no, he had collectively, he's not averaging, collectively like 21 runs over eight innings, which was, which was bad. But the thing is, if we're looking for AU Debilis to come back, specifically for the T20 World Cup and stuff, why can't you look for the Colpac deal players to come back and join our team? for all the other formats the reason we can't is because they are tied into contracts um, let those contracts it's an emergency we need you i mean man if 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 graham smith can work wonders and get some of those players out of those contracts out of those contracts then they'll be great it's not likely to happen though if we could though if we could get some of those players who are tied up in county cricket over in England, who would you get back? Before I even say who I got back, you know what I'm thinking now? <laughs> it's just horrible. 
you know we were good uh the test series uh when we get uh the test mates would be number one in the world at some point we we're number one in all formats but when you look at the approaches in tournaments i think as, as soon as you put points into play or a trophy because now the test championship and then we look bad as soon as there's something on the line other than a general recognition for Our good work is choking as soon as we got numbers on our backs and it's like okay now there are points for test series and and there's something to be got at some at some point we're to be horrible. fair we're not choking here which is not good we're not good enough to even choke yeah i guess so fair point so here's here's someone i want to put up and i think this is this is due to the fact that we were a good team in that period and we didn't think about how to rebuild once those particular good names and those legends um left the scene Carl abbott Carl Abbott was with us, um, which World Cup am I referring to now? 2015? 2015 World Cup. He got a chance to, to play. It was amazing. And as soon as Ren was fit again, he got dropped. Now, sure enough, he was smashed by New Zealand. Carl Abbott, when he, when he, when he made it a debut for, for, for South Africa, took seven wickets on debut. That for me already is a sign out there's something there. But so did Martian Delanga, so did a, a whole uh, bunch of other cricketers. But the thing is, in 2019, as of 2019, which is like a couple of months back, he took match figures of 17 for 86. A boy's got 17 wickets in him. If we could s- spread out those 17 wickets over the f- three games we played thus far, ah, man, we're in with the shout. Just five wickets there, five wickets there, and maybe seven there. We're in with the shout because we can't get wickets for Jack. Abbott is a good is a, is a good choice because those match figures are top ten best of all time, first class, and the the best in sixty years in England actually. I mean, just to give you a picture of how good Kyle Abbott is, our premier our premier bowler is is Kajuzo Rabada with an average of just above twenty two. Yeah, Kyle Abbott in first class cricket averages just above twenty two as well. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. His his best bowling figures for South Africa is seven for twenty nine. I'm I'm just saying. Smith, come on, bro. Yeah, for my time. This is embarrassing. I want to put up another name, Riley Rousseau. Riley Rousseau got his chance, played a bit, and then he was told that he's not really going to get a look in after his failings, and he went on and signed a callback deal. Kyle, Kyle Abbott played 30, 30, 30, 38 ODIs for us. He's a left-handed batsman, which gives us more variation because Riley Rousseau, you mean? Riley Abbott, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, Riley Rousseau. Sorry if I didn't mention who I was talking about. Riley Rousseau. And the thing about Riley Rousseau is that he's got runs and he's a solid guy. He's someone you would have included in the team for a long while, up until the right people come. Because I think now, as you as you said, with the uh, Milans and the Hamzas, they don't have time to be blooded in. They now are in a pressure situation and they have to shine. Someone like Malcolm could have shone, but I mean, he's he's not available now. I think I think the, the the patience that we've had with Malcolm we could have given to Riley Rousseau. We didn't have, we weren't as patient, and I don't know what's going on because we choose characters that we're patient with, and like about Timber, Timber puts a foot wrong, Timber's out the team. I mean, right now, if Timber fills the bats in the second innings, most likely we won't see him playing um, against the West Indies. So for me, I think it should have been given another chance. My my two choices um, of guys that I would have brought back from England from those callback deals. Dwayne Olifir, Dwayne Olifir, who has a test match record of 10 tests played, 48, 48 test match wickets, and an average of just above 19. I mean, when he was playing for the Proteus, he, he's, he, in 10 test matches, he already has a, a, a tenfer in a match. And he's got a series where he took 24 wickets in, in, in just three matches. 
So that's that's the one guy I'd I'd bring back. And, and that, that's that was in an era where we still had decent batting and we went down just to I hope our bowling takes the wicket so we don't have to score a lot of runs. And he still performed in that when we were equally balanced. The other guy I'd bring back is Simon Harmer. Uh Simon Harmer is a is is a is a li- off spinner. He's an off spinner who's got six hundred six hundred first class wickets. That's hot. I mean, he's 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 been the best spinner in in county cricket for for a while now, yeah. and he also has two hundreds in his first class career, averaging almost twenty five at the bat. So you've got a spinner who's able to take wickets, and you have him being decent with the bat at in, in the lower order. And you know what the thing is though, uh, with 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 our suggestions, it's all from the bowling end, and our our great. Issue and I think this is what well, well, except for I got, Rousseau. I got Rousseau and I've got I got Stian Fonsell. Stian Fonsell played quite a bit for the protest. But the thing with Fonsell is that he averaged twenty six. That's because he was put in as an opening batsman. And I know, I know how our team was stacked that you, it was not easy to put him in three or four because you had Carlos there for a while when he was there and you had um Duplessis in there as well. You had um uh Amy De Villiers as well. So it was kinda hard to fit him in any other place except for opening batsman. But in first-class cricket, he averages over 44. So if you put him in a preferred position, or maybe a fourth or a fifth, they'll be get runs. So for me, it's someone that we should have stuck with as well. I think we're too quick to pull the trigger on Stian Van Sale. Um, and now we are here where we are, at, where we are. On that basis, what we need to do, and I say we need to do this also because of the fact that we don't actually have a choice. We need, what well, we need to happen, rather. Hamza needs to come on. Hamza is 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 twenty four, right? And before he went on this um, Test cricket journey where he's he's failed with the bat uh, up to this point, if you're being honest, he had a first class average of fifty. That is an indication that he can play. And this is not a, an average of fifty that is accumulated over like five or ten games. He's done this over fifty first class games, which means there is a body of work there that if you were to scrutinize his game, is you'll find that that's a good player and that's a player who should be if not quite excellent, good in, 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 in the test match arena. And perhaps, perhaps for whatever reason, coming into the situation of the Proteus, and uh, we must give consideration to the fact that with what has happened with the CSA, that might have trickled down to the entire situation that then is seen on the field. I mean, they're professional players and they're supposed to be able to block out what is happening off the field, but there's just, there's just a black cat that is running through South African cricket right now. And... What we have done is we have we've placed a Boucher, a Callis, a Graham Smith in positions of influence, and the hope is that 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 Proteus culture, not only that though, but the leadership qualities that they showed as players, and which they've actually proven in the other endeavors since they've left um, the playing arena, is gonna is gonna shine through and is going to be seen in 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 our team. And I'm hoping I'm hoping that Hamza comes on. We need for Makram as well to be solid up front. We need him to come back and we need him give us but, give us a Gary Kirsten if, type of if career. I'm, if I'm honest, like when we're in danger and we call on people like Bjorn Hendricks. Hendricks got five wickets, right? But yeah, he got yeah, those wickets like one day like one day wickets. One day wickets, yeah, and they were they were throwing the bat. But he was being punished by Woods and uh, Wood and, and, and Broad and so for me, I saw him in the World Cup when we called him as backup, and I was like, nah, it's not the backup that we need. 
So my my worry is that who do we call on to replace? We the don't know. So so I guess it's what what's been happening with the only Ghana social situation. Stick with them and give them time. That's that's the only thing. I mean, the if Hamza is is cut out for this level because fifty runs averaging fifty says you're cut out for this level for the Test arena. Stick with them. You'll come good. Then we must be patient with with Milan as well. He's actually played quite well. I don't know how, how well-suited Rassifan Anderson is for the longer format of the game because he's an explosive batsman. And if we're always like in a pickle, I, I don't know if he... It's, it's sort of like having two Quinton Cox. Maybe he's a bit more patient, but I don't know how patient he is. But I think with those players, Van Anderson's also 30 or 30 plus, right? As 30. well. The reason I'm not mentioning those guys is because in my head, I'm thinking, how long are we going to persist with them? Because... Fast forward two years, the guy's 32, 4, 5, and you're almost at the end of your career. And, and we need to blood in new talent. Are we, how are we building? And what is going to happen with the protests in the not-too-distant future is that Quentin de Kock is going to be the test captain as well. And we are going to need him to be the leader that this young team, because he's relatively young, still 27. Mm. And the idea or, or the thinking is that he's going to be leading um, guys who are hopefully who are good enough to be at the test playing uh, level and who are in their early 20s. Look at England. When you look at Karen and you look at Oli Pope, these boys are 21, 22. And already you can see, well, these guys are set up to have careers for, there, for yeah. 10 years at least. You know, Pope came into this match um, averaging 50 already in, his, in, in, in the burgeoning stages of his test match career. And Karen, Karen is a guy who comes in at number eight and over a career he's going to give you an average of 30 with the ball and with the bat and you're not if you're not asking a guy to be Garfield Sobers um, Ian Botham or Jacques Callis that's good enough for an all-rounder coming in at, 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 at number 8 and who can open the bowling as well which by the way at the moment is why I'm depressed with the results because in this test match this final and f- this fourth and final test match we are we are facing a lineup of Wood who is someone who's not been a test match regular um, Broad who is the second in, in, in that in that duo that is him and Anderson Karen, who is also still new on on the scene, and we we're looking like we're looking like boys. Man, we just don't stack up. Like we just when, need to get better. I'm when, done talking about the process. When we're trying to at least accumulate, we get out. When we're trying to score quickly, we get out. There's there's, there's just I don't know, there's something with the mentality of the players. Nothing's they, they, they just not they're just not playing the way they should. I think I think we should go get some pads, go in the net. Who knows? No, 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 <laughs> we like three. <laughs> the protesters are looking for thirty-year-old players. Hello. Hey, and it, and if we go into team transformation right there. Now forget that I'm signing a callback deal and I'm earning yeah, British yeah, pounds to Nine just costy. Nine just costy. Lord, please help cricket South ah, Africa. Please help man. the protesters. I am praying that send rain, Lord. So at least we draw this game. Send rain. Ah. <sighs> Ready to move on? Yeah, let's move on to Australian Open, where the players who are 15 <laughs> causing major upsets. Coco Goff beating defending champion Naomi Osaka. That's 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 something to be said. I mean, this 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 year player has been popping up here and there, upsetting people with my Venus Williams, all these major players, but she has yet to win a Grand Slam. Do you think she's due, or is it too early? She's 15. Hey, Martina Hingis won it at what, 17? What's 15, grade 9? Yeah, what's, what's 15 years? It's grade 9. Can you please remind me? She's 15, she's in, she's in grade 9. She's not yet, if she was South African, she's not yet 
come to the stage where she's choosing her own such subjects for <laughs> I mean it's she's got sports. all the talent in the world uh, all the potential in the world um I don't I, I don't quite know when I watch her I can't quite project uh, what what career she's going to have she may she may get anywhere between 5 and 10 grand slams um but she's already started well and if she's already beating Naomi Osaka she's who's making all the right three noises her senior and you imagine that she's going to face up to this player a lot of times in 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 the future going forward this was a that was a great win for her she got knocked out subsequently um after that as well um and she got knocked out because the the women's game is a jungle or oh, she played again already yeah she 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 played <laughs> not in the loop <laughs> she lost yeah. to 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 a fellow american um i forgot her name her name is her surname starts with a k and I was like, okay, and when you look across, when you look, when you look at the women's game, like even now in terms of the quarterfinals, there are only I think four uh, top ten players who are left, and anything, right. anything, anything can happen. Kerba is still there, no? No, Pliskova was knocked out by Pavlichenkova. Ah, who lost the check was losing to Kerba, <laughs> and excuse me, guy, my, tel- my tennis knowledge is like a couple of days old. Okay, I know for a fact now the men's because game because you that blink and like a, a, a whole host of things happens in the women's game. I know Roger's still there. I know Djokovic is still still to play. I know uh, Nadal and Kyrgios are, are, are actually playing. So at least I know what's going on there. But yeah, the women's game you can't really predict anyone. Like Serena went out early, so I'm sad about Serena going out because I'm I'm starting to think we need to start tuning up the band. And inviting Swansea. the larger-bodied woman to come sing. to come sing, because, and I'll just say this and leave the Serena matter. I'll, I'll visit it at the end of the year. She was between one and four in her first twenty-five Grand Slam finals. She's zero and four in her last four. Yeah, she's got to be a mom now. No more tennis. I'm, I'm so, just saying, unless she pulls a, a Kim Kleisters. Comes back for one more and then goes back. The thing to is, Clusters Clusters left the game to become a mom in her twenties. Serena Williams is thirty-eight. If I'm not mistaken, she's turning thirty-nine this year. And at some point, at some point, eventually, father time catches up to every single person except Zlatan uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Cristiano Ronaldo. Up to this point, it's been true of everyone except those two. But but yeah, I, I mean. In in terms of who I think then is going to win the Australian Open from the women's side, I think I think Simona Halep, um, Simona Halep, who at the moment is ranked fourth, and for the longest time she was also struggling to break through, win her first Grand Slam, won the 2018 French Open last year, upset Serena Williams, another one of the people beat Williams in the final in at Wimbledon, and she comes into this one. I, I watched Ashley Barty, the world number one from Australia, for the first time yesterday, and I was quite impressed with the game simply because. In terms of the women's game, she has variety in her game. She 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 plays with slices and drop shots, and I quite like watching her. I don't think she has quite the power to 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 do it in the end when it ca- when it counts. Because when you, when you come to that Grand Slam final, you're gonna meet someone on the other side of the net who's just gonna be blasting the ball back at you. And I don't know if she also can handle the pressure of being the first Australian woman to win an Australian Open title in some 40 years. So my money is on Simona Halep, although my favorite player that is left in the draw, I'd have to see if she actually won against Pavlichenkova, is, is Kerba. And, and, and the Steffi Graf, like, is she gone? Gone. 
today. You just see the result now. Gone, yeah. I'm cooling, gone. Forget what I just said. Then. <laughs> like, the women's game. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it anymore. You can go, Chuck. You can go. So first, Serena, I'll cry about I'll, I'll go for uh, Kabin Mokoruza um, to go in yeah, she's actually beaten two top ten players, um, the number five player as well. So yeah, that's 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 where my money is. That's where I'm putting all my pot of gold. So before we close off, we try and again go in terms yeah. of the men. Who do you think is winning on the men's side? My heart says Federer because my heart is always think? my heart is thinking I, happens I, I in think, the brain. I think with who my do you heart, think is winning. I think with my heart. Yeah, if I'm thinking my heart as well. Ah, it's Novak. <sighs> Nadal's looking good, but Novak. Yeah, wow. uh, my mind says Novak all day. My mind says Novak as well, but come my on, mind saying Novak, thirty-eight. But my heart, my heart is saying Federer. Yeah, I know I can't sing, yeah, but we've reached the level where Chuck is singing on the podcast. Um, <laughs> this is for you, Roger. You better win. Yeah, I, I was vulnerable on the mic for you. So let's get to gambling. Selling a mile, boy. Or, or if these are good picks, or selling a mile, we're getting wins. You wanna go? Yeah. Um, my my bet slip for the weekend is I've got Lazio who are playing against Spal. Spal are like in the relegation zone. Um, take Lazio and over two and a half goals. Leicester versus Chelsea, both teams to score. Manchester United versus Wolves. I think Wolves are going to score at Old Trafford, and I think Man United coming off six goals against the all conquering Tranmere are also going to score in that match. So both ha. teams to score in that match. Ha. And then Dortmund and their their newly signed shiny toy to win against Union Berlin. And then you've got the Lakers beating the Trailblazers because the Lakers are better than the Trailblazers. But because also I think playing at the Staples Center this weekend, they're going to do it for Kobe. The shiny toy is Erling Haaland. Five goals in 55 odd minutes. Beat it's crazy. That. Okay, I got Manchester couple of... United didn't sign him and he was available. Ah, to know the price is right. Ah. Oli must just go. Must put odds on that. Anyway, I got a mix of midweek and weekend fixtures. Um, in the weekend, let's go for soccer. Pirates versus Chiba. You know Pirates got goals in them these days. Shaiko, so over two and a half goals in that match. Tottenham versus Man City. That's easy money, City to win. Midweek, West Ham versus Liverpool. Easy money, Liverpool to win. And then we got the 76ers against the Golden State Warriors. I say Golden, not Golden State. Sorry, Seventy Sixers because Golden State have been looking like um, as like their house burnt down and they're having a pity party. Tennis, Australian Open, Novak to win it. That's my pick. Wait, you've got Liverpool winning away at West Ham. Yeah, you who Easy had man. Liverpool losing against Wolves. So wait. I, I was a Roberto Firmino away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did not they, get that they, right. They didn't. They didn't get everything right. Just my before we close this off, my question is: uh, When are they losing that game? When are they losing that first game? Uh, them, when are they? When are they? When are they gonna play? They're playing City. at City. Uh, actually, that game against City at the Etihad, if that will be the game they have to equal the Invincibles for the unbeaten, if they come into that game unbeaten. Let me make this prediction: by the time they meet City, they'll they will, should they lose to City, that'll be their second loss. By the wow. time they get to City, they would have lost. Chuck is so disrespectful. They would have lost already. Okay, it from 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 Jay. Um, once again. Uh, Shout out, rest in peace to the Mamba, Kobe Bryant, and, and his, his daughter Gianna, and the other family that was involved in, in, oh, the, yeah, yeah. in the crash, actually. Uh, it's not just about Kobe, yeah. Thoughts go out to his wife, who's now his widow, and I can't imagine losing your spouse and a child all at the same time, and 
Great. It's, it's devastating. Great. So from Jay, um, I am out. And from Chuck, it's too upfront, episode done.